When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Thursday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The podcast where you have so many sound cuts in it, nobody needs to ask us who we didn't vote for. Um, so, the sound cunt to my left tonight is Craig Fowler. Hello. How are you doing? I'm alright. Well, you've got your wee glass of red here. Yes. It's very informal this evening. I see it. This happens nearly every time I've done a podcast <laughs> with the man in front of me, Sean McWiggan. You alright? Yeah, I'm, I'm grand. Good. I don't know, you didn't notice when I came in. I only noticed this when I was at work today. I bought, got a new jacket and my wee hat and I was getting all... Tufts or something in your beard. Yeah, that'll be my new snood. <laughs> my new snood. But I just noticed when I was at work, I was looking in the... I caught myself in the mirror I was like, I look like fucking Joe Pesci in Home Alone. I've got the small little black hat, the grey overcoat, overcoat jacket. So that's my, that's my life now. And that's all brand new bought. Man, they bought me it for my birthday. So I have to wear it now. So I look like Joe Pesci for the winter. To be honest, I was distracted by a balloon animal kit that you brought. Mm, yeah, Secret Santa. Everyone gets something. Shit, I thought that was pretty decent. Secret Santa's a passion. I don't even like taking part in them. I don't, this is my first year at this job, so I thought I would take part. I've got mm. my Christmas night out tomorrow. We're going to Maya's or Mia's Italian restaurant in Dalry. Um, so I've tried to make an effort do the Secret Santa next year. I, uh, I didn't take part last year and there was literally 24 people exchanging gifts and then just me just sat myself and I was like no I'll take part next year <laughs> yeah. are you not part of management as well <laughs> you really are frowned upon it. I can't even be arsed getting talking to you all at Christmas <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happens when you take part you end up with a balloon animal kit yeah well maybe we could use it I mean I'll be bringing it with us on the 4th of January when come we on go. Sean you said you wouldn't go back to Kirkcaldy and you're, you're nicely flat and just whip out the balloon animal kit <laughs> and take yourself for hours possibly even days uh, I, I, you know, so I wouldn't be able to do it I'd just, just blow up the balloon like oh a snake <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be absolutely terrible as well as Fowler knows I'm not, I can very like crave it but my fingers don't work properly and I've got eczema so I'm worried that I'll just pop the balloon the second <laughs> I'll open up I was talking to someone actually at the pub on Sunday um, a, a mutual sort of acquaintance of ours Craig who we went to school okay. with uh, and he was telling me about when he played under Tam Hendry the old St Mirren uh, oh, yeah. manager SPL and he was telling me how primitive that whole experience was because it was after Tam Hendry had been at the SP uh, at Marriage St Mirren and this is him in the juniors and Tam Hendry managed him and he just said he was sitting on the bench one day he never got a game and it was the game's raging on the guy gets to the byline and he says putting a, a great ball flashed it across the box and never got it in and the, and the person involved was like well that was a great ball in Tam Hendry just stopped everything turned and gave him the biggest look of disdain 
It's not a fucking good ball. That's a flashy, no fucking looky. Absolutely furious. <laughs> <laughs> and then he made he said it training. He said it was just so primitive the whole setup. Because we went to training and uh, they were doing set piece set pieces. And he just said to him, "You just stand at the back post." And all you have to do is stand there. Don't leave there for one second. And when the ball comes to you, you fuck it in the net. And he's like, <laughs> but Tam, it needs to travel through 18 bodies to get to, to, get to me. I'll still be sitting at St. Mark's next week, still just sitting there with your freezing hand against the, um, against the post. So maybe football has got better. What's that got to do with balloon animals? <laughs> I'm struggling for the link as there well. Was, there was no link. I was just wanting to chat about it. And I knew if I didn't say it then, it would be... Uh, I mean, you're as well being managed by one of my balloon animals as you are, Tam Henry. There's your link. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense, right? Okay. And uh, talking of the sort of primitive parts of uh, Scottish football, let's delve into the into the lower leagues. And are we going to well, be... That's a, like, oh, thank you. That, that's, <laughs> and that's professionals telling me, guys on TV, guys who made careers out of it. Thanks. Um, where are we going to start? Are we going to go in the championship or do you just want to go into League One? Let's go to League One first. League One, Let's right. warm up with an expert and oh, then yeah, we've got me up. basically passing off other people's notes as my own knowledge. After <laughs> <laughs> get to even new levels, I'm passing off other people's questions as my question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've got, uh, we're going to do the top four, mm-hmm. uh, which does involve... A Royal Rumble. A Royal Rumble title battle. Fatal four-way. Uh, right, okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. Uh, okay. Royal Rumble's 30. 30 participants Ah, and then eventually it gets whittled into four (laughs) 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 got you there it's also four other points as well Uh, but you can also say that there's six people there and two people get thrown over at the same time and that would still make it four sorry everyone Um, (laughs) three people get sent over at the same time and then you've only got three (laughs) (laughs) what's happening (laughs) but we want to start with that top four which is now Wraith, Airdrie, Falkirk and East Fife and you're going to tell us a bit about Wraith Rovers and Airdrie, I know Wraith, you have. Wraith Airdrie was arguably the best game I've seen at Stats Park for a good while. Not because it was any good, but just because it was jam-packed full of incident. I don't know if you could have crowbarred any more incidents into it. Wraith Rovers were reasonably fortunate to be a goal-up at half-time. Airdrie had hit the bar. Uh, Callum Smith had missed a sitter when he was 1-1 one with just Ross Munro to beat, and he kind of screwed it horribly wide. Uh, Rovers were a goal up thanks to Ross Matthews uh, a pretty well taken goal when I think Kieran McDonald had uh, a kind of driven cross for the for the left hand side he'd done really well I don't know if he steered it past the keeper over it just hit off him and went in but fair play 1-0 to Rovers at, at half time Ian Davidson then got a straight red card for attempting to break an energy player's hip about 10 minutes into the second half sounds like a red card just an outrageous time it was, it was so late and he, I mean he literally it was just so late so high and nowhere near the ball uh, and he just huckled him right at the hip straight red which interestingly that's his officially I think it's his third red card of the season because the red card that he got at Balmour against Peterhead about a month ago apparently he got the equivalent of two red cards and bear in mind he got a red card for shouting at the referee what on earth do you get a double red card for shouting at the referee <laughs> what on earth fuck off <laughs> red card fuck off again red card incredible that would have been Jake Mulvaney at the weekend that could have been but anyway that was Wraith out of 10 it was a nonsense red card oh god you see it happen all the time we're not talking about Hearts we're talking about Wraith Rovers and they are foul mouth players and as much as Airdrie were far away the better team in the second half they never really stretched Rovers they never really got in behind them it was an example of how not to play against 10 men Ross Monroe never really had a save to make Airdrie were then reduced to 10 men with 5 minutes to go I thought right surely we're fine now 
Adrian then went down to nine men because I had a player injured, but they'd used all their subs. I goes, right, we're fine now. Uh, Airdrie then hit the bar, uh, and that was after Kyle Benedictus tipped it onto the bar using his hands, uh, which you would suggest probably should have been a penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, nah, nah, never got a penalty. <laughs> and, then, and then we got reduced to nine men as well when Ross Matthews got a red card in the 93rd yes, minute. I had to message you asking who, if, which Wraith Rovers player was deserved of a Team of the Week place because reading through the forum on Pi and Bovril, it was just everybody moaning about referees and decisions <laughs> that went out their way or didn't go their way or whatever. But the thing was, other than the. Other than the Airdrie red card, which I think it was Crichton got dismissed. Now, bear in mind, he didn't make any attempt to play the ball. He kicked, I can't remember, he kicked, he kicked the Rovers player in the back of the leg. It was a breakaway, and you would normally, normally you would get a yellow card for that. However, it was a fairly strong tackle. I could kind of understand if it was a red card, although I thought it was a yellow personally. But the two Rafe decisions were, were definite red cards. Uh, the handball, it looked like a handball for where I was. The replay, I wasn't entirely sure, but I would have said that he probably got the majority of the decisions right. But I thought it was quite unusual at the end of the game. So it felt like a big result for Wraith Rovers that put them back, of the league, uh, back to the top of the league. The players came over to the fans and the, the fans didn't hear kind of stand ovation, clapped them off. But even though Airdrie had lost, even though they played pretty well, their fans gave them a standing ovation when the Airdrie players went oh, over man. to them as well. Which is, but that's quite unusual. It's, they can it's, just it's, it's, also, it's, a, it's a hard fault. Defeat away from home mm-hmm. to the team that's also kind of promotion contenders. They feel they were a little hard done by, and also it's that's ended their win and run as well. So it's probably a, uh, an accumulation. But you think about where Airdrie were, say two months ago. I mean, we spoke about Airdrie, and the uh, the fans wanted rid of Ian Murray. They actually altered where everybody sits at. Uh, Pennycar Stadium oh, yeah, yeah. So, so they turned the area around the dugout into a family section because Ian Monroe was getting so much abuse Ian Monroe uh, Ian Murray was getting so much abuse <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 uh, I think Ian Monroe is my no it's Gordon Monroe is my local candidate for Labour <laughs> Ian Monroe was a terrible Wraith Rovers manager right, in, okay. uh, in the kind of mid to late 90s uh, when we just collected terrible managers well talk, talking about that um, so we're saying that they had a really slow start and obviously something that's changed in recent weeks is the emergence of Colin Cameron. How big an impact do you believe he's had on he, moving up the table? He might have had he might have had an impact. I think taking we, just say for those who don't know he's the assistant manager. I mean he might have had an impact. Uh, they they have improved roughly since about then. I think taking Nathaniel Wedderburn out of the team probably had a bigger impact. He was I thought he was probably Ray Throver's weakest link last season in a team full of weak links. <laughs> Uh, he's just so slow, he's so ponderous. He has uh, a kind of decent range of passing as long as it's, as it's within 10 to 15 yards, but if he's caught the wrong side, then he's essentially a man shot. That would really like all professional footballers have a decent range of passing <laughs> to 10 to <or> 15 yards. Bearing <laughs> <laughs> mind, he is supposed to be a defensive midfielder and he very rarely protects the back four, and that's one of Airdrie's biggest issues this season. He also played one up front. Uh, Callum Gallagher was generally played out wide and he probably suits being up front it moved him up front with Dale Carrick and suddenly the two of them have struck up a really good partnership up front they've become reasonably prolific over the last kind of five or six games so I think those did two Dale things, Carrick not score a ridiculous goal? he yep. scored a, was that a back heel volley against Stranraer yeah back, back heel bar and in half volley or on the bounce depending on what your definition of a half volley is aye off the bar and in oh, superb uh, so I perhaps Cameron's had a really good influence, uh, but I think and we got stick because we referred to him as ex Hearts player as opposed to Airdrieonians player, and we shared it on Twitter. Ah, and rightly so. Oh fuck off! Who uh, should who should done that? Eh? Was it you who done that? It was me that done that. Ah, come on, Craig. Typical. You're better than that. What? 
What would they prefer? You just say current. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's all look at the other fucking accounts giving fucking Airdrionian's goals. Just fuck put, off. Just, just put Airdrie forward, Dale Cack. Ah, that was an oversight. <laughs> oh, so you admit you were wrong. Very unusual. It's like question wrong. time. It's what you're running the fridge. Um, <laughs> um, but back to Nate Rovers, mm-hmm. um, you've had a sort of huge injury to possibly the best midfielder in the league in Regan Hendry, but you don't seem to have missed. A beat really. It's all uh, it's all very strange because I thought Wraith Rovers had a pretty decent spike in their team. So Stephen Anderson could probably play for a team that's better than Wraith Rovers. Uh, Lewis Vaughan could do the same. Reagan Henry could, could absolutely do the same. Henry's injured. Vaughan's out possibly forever. Stephen Anderson has been missing recently. And we have been rubbish. And we just keep winning games. And we've had four clean sheets in a row, which is our best defensive performance since I think 2010. They had one shot on target against Montrose and they won one nil. They had one shot on target against Forford and drew nil nil. They had one shot on target against Airdrie and won one nil. They aren't playing well at all, but they are grinding out results, which is admirable in itself. And what I'm going to say contractually obliged to say that's what makes champions. <laughs> <laughs> but that isn't a that isn't a sequence. Well, when you're struggling for questions, you do. <laughs> that's, that's not a sequence that can sustain though. They can't continually turn up on a Saturday, not play particularly well, and be reliant on a kind of backs to the wall performance. I mean, against Airdrie in the second half, they really got out their own half against Montrose in the first half they really got out their own half they can't rely on that week in week out some players are due back so Regan Henry started training again Stephen Anderson is expected to be back for a week on Saturday against Dumbarton Michael Miller's a big loss so him and Kieran McDonald have been the fullbacks this season and they both bomb on they both give them a really good width uh, Michael Miller's actually scored five goals this season chipped in as well and he's been a big loss but he is expected to be out for a, a good while yet so it's been a kind of mixed bag on the, the inj- injury news uh, but this Saturday is a, a massive game the fact that Falkirk dropped points again at the weekend means that they're four points behind it over so whatever happens this weekend when they take on Falkirk Wraith will still be ahead of, they'll still have their noses in front even if they lose uh, I think it's a far bigger game for Falkirk than it is Wraith though. Well, that'll lead us on nicely to Falkirk. I mean, do you think they've got that in them, then, Sean? Do you reckon that they... Because they don't seem to be answering a lot of questions. They're struggling in in most games. They're not, they're not really having any sort of large wins. I think I can't really think of many through the season. I I think that their managerial situation is extremely strange. To have a, to have a temporary management duo, that isn't something that's particularly common. Sounds and, and like ex- people might not know what they're doing. An inexperienced temporary management duo where both of the duo came from other clubs. Yeah. I, although I've literally never heard of that yeah. before. And I think both of them have an arrangement in place so that if it doesn't work out they can both go back to those clubs. Certainly David McCracken has someone in place with Peter Head where he's allowed to go back if fuck it don't keep him on. I, I just think that footballers probably like stability. So, so you know how you, you sometimes get that situation where managers say, right, I, I will leave at the end of this season. Mm-hmm. And generally it doesn't normally work out. I, I just think this could be something similar with Falkirk in that. Uh, That's a huge risk to be taken. We, we, I know it was going really badly under McKinnon, but would you say it's not just better just to go behind his back, get everything sorted with a new manager, then bin him? then bring in the new management team. I, mean, I suppose there's an argument that you bring in those two, make it temporary. If it goes particularly well, then you just make it permanent. And if it isn't going well, then you can bin them quite easily and then bring in somebody else. That, that still seems... But the, odd. If all this is happening, though, that your games are happening thick and fast. And the, the same you're, the already, you're already four points behind. And I know maybe you're thinking because they are um, 
such a big club in that environment that they maybe fancy themselves that even if it comes to the playoffs that they would be able to negotiate them. But I mean, that is a huge risk because how long can Falkirk continue as they are playing playing in that league? I think they made something like a £700,000 loss when they got relegated last season. I mean, that's a, you would imagine they'll make, make another massive loss this season because they won't, there won't be any away fans. Yeah, but they can sell all the burgeoning young talent coming through the academy. <laughs> the, oh, wait. I mean, that maybe wasn't the board's greatest decision in the benefit of hindsight. Uh, I, I don't know if I've been that impressed by Lee Miller and David McCracken. They, they beat Lin- Linlithgow Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, 4-1. 4-1, okay, fair Two late goals as well. Yep. Uh, I watched the game, they were quite... They were pretty dominant. dominant. Yeah, I watched the second half. Yeah. They beat Shinra by three goals to nil, but Saturday there, they were quite fortunate to get a nil-nil draw with these five... It was a fairly a fairly poor spectacle. If it wasn't for Robbie Much and goals, who pulled off a couple of really good saves, East Five would have won the game, and they probably would have deserved to win the game. It, it's strange how they. I think it's kind of strange how they set up. So it's three five two. Uh, Paul Dixon on the left, bombing forward. Mikey Doyle bombing forward. They are they're, they're kind of willing fullbacks or wing backs, I should say. I don't know if they're particularly capable. But the, the kind of central three of Magara Gomez and uh, Gary Miller and Louis Longridge. So that's two very much defensive midfielders. And Longridge is, well, I don't know what he is. Is he, is he a winger? Is he a forward? Is he a number 10? He certainly isn't a central midfielder. So it was a strange way to set up. Very defensive, very similar to what Ray McKinnon used to set up. People used to say that McKinnon was kind of safety first and dour and, and quite negative. And it seemed very similar on, on Saturday as well. And I think already Falkirk fans are wondering if this is a particularly good uh, setup that they've replaced and McKinnon with. That's strange as well because if you think after McKinnon, and even like at the end of last season, it's, I know it's, this is a very simple way to look at it in football, so a bit more complicated than this. But at the end of last season, when Falkirk had to win, McKinnon said his team uh, play expansive football and they won. And results went against him and they went down. He didn't kind of keep that up, and that's how they've kind of struggled this season. You think the board would then go kind of similar to what <clears throat> Hearts have done? I don't know if it's going to work at Hearts, but Hearts fans won't. <laughs> Hearts fans weren't happy with the style of play, and so Hearts. I don't know whether this was by accident, but they went out and got a manager who is preaches everything the fans want: attacking, high tempo, high pressing football. So and why don't and dress badly like all Jambos? Nothing wrong with his dressing. <laughs> uh, how dare you? Robbie Nielsen was a very sharpy dresser. <laughs> oh, I mean, the fact that you're able to pull one out the back there tells And Paolo Sergio. <laughs> Just because of Craig Levine and John McGlynn, don't you tie them all with the same brush? I'm, so- I'm talking more about the fans. That's <laughs> right! <laughs> That's a fair point. Um, okay, Cairns is very well dressed. Yeah, he is. This is fucking... Ah, you know. <laughs> Absolutely I, not. I have to draw the lines. You didn't wear normal clothes till you were 21. I'm not 21 cause now! Because you're going to have dressed, yeah. You wore football stuff for I don't know! <laughs> you were torn up straight to the pub. I don't know, I maybe made that. I <laughs> uh, yeah, but Falkirk don't seem to have done that. I don't seem to have gone out and said, right, let's. The problem is McKinnon's been he's refusing to let this team off the leash. Let's get somebody who's going to play a bit of expansive football, and let's see if the fact that we have the biggest budget, we on paper maybe have the best players. Let's get somebody who can do that. And instead, they say they bring in two guys, which is quite weird. To begin bring with. in a striker off Livingston, a striker, a defender <laughs> who, who could who would probably do better than uh, McManus and Connor Salmon up front. But, aye, but what do they know about like their football philosophy? And, and stuff like that I mean Ooh. they're just bringing in two former players like oh they were good guys they, they, they'll probably be good <laughs> the, 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 the Falkirk have a philosophy 
No, but like you say, they don't know the, the philosophy the, of McCracken and yeah, Miller. They, they don't know how they want to play. Whether they're they, going have to... they done any, have they been doing coaching or anything leading up to this? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll assume so. I'd like to think Lee Miller has, because Lee Miller's been cropped since like 2011. <laughs> um, but East Fife weren't able to take advantage, and they've gone through a sort of downturn. And but like I said, with Darren Young, that seems to have happened quite a lot because um, obviously it goes through like really good times, <laughs> then the arse sort of falls out of it. And that would have had a big impact on them losing to uh, BSC Glasgow. Does it not happen a lot just because they're East Fife and they're not That's a very big club? I, uh, if you look at East Fife squad though, they've got a, and you can say this for the last two years now, they've got a, a talented squad for a, for a part-time team at, at League One. And the fact that they, I mean, it's not that they're inconsistent because they'll literally go months of being brilliant and then follow up when months have been absolutely shite. <laughs> kind of looks like, well, you know something, they look resilient against Falkirk and they're probably the better team. So maybe maybe they're not quite going into this uh, rut that they, that they very often find themselves on. But it, it's, it's a kind of big time for these five. So they are five points off the top now. And it's a kind of big time, I suppose, for Darren Young as well. So, start of the season, these five fans probably would have been glad to see the back of him. Then they thought he was doing particularly well. However, that result against BSC Glasgow means that he has now been in charge of these five when they've arguably had two of their worst results ever. So that defeat to, to BSC Glasgow. Then was it last season or the season before they lost to Broda Rangers, knocked them out of the Scottish Cup? I mean, that is two woeful uh, results. So if they go into this kind of tailspin of, of, tail <laughs> of, uh, of despair again, bear in mind he has... Certainly applied for other jobs. I think he applied for the air job. He was interviewed for another job as well. I can't remember which one it was, but certainly a full-time position. So it looks like he is keen to become a full-time manager. But if they if their form tails off again, then you would you would imagine he might struggle to, to achieve it's, that. It's tough because you, you give a lot of criticism to the managers um, for like jumping ship quite quickly, but it must be real tough. When you're a part-time manager, knowing when trying to get out when your stock's high, because you know when the part-time footballers, there is a great chance that you probably will go on yeah. a poor run on some point. So I can see that being a really difficult sort of avenue to navigate, especially when you're a, especially when you'll have a sort of. And I'm not listen. I criticize. I'm like a bit of arrogance, a bit of self-belief. Like you would if you're Darren Young. I mean, you're you've been you've been a sort of semi-successful sort of Scottish footballer. You you're a well-known guy. And is, I can see the difficulty in that, and now you could easily get your fingers burnt and then end up with fuck all. They've got a they've got a talented squad though. Only only Falkirk's conceded uh, fewer goals in them. They've got a decent midfield where they might get let down as the two strikers generally Anton Dowds and Ryan Wallace. Wallace uh, just returned from injury against uh, Falkirk and he made a massive difference. But those are two guys who. Uh, can stretch defences and they make things difficult for them and they're, they're hard workers but they're not necessarily goal scorers I think between them they've got maybe seven goals between them and for a team to win the league that's probably not going to be enough I know our both won the league last season without really having a recognised goal scorer but they're probably Dick Campbell in the dugout exactly uh, I, I, I can't see I, I <laughs> and can't Bobby see, Lynn it, I, and, well, exactly they did have Bobby Lynn that was able to chip in from midfield with 17 goals yeah. or something like that East Fife, East Fife don't have that they don't have the ability to go just consistently winning games week in, week out, which is what I've both done last season. So East Fife, if anybody's going to fall away, I would, I would expect it to be them. But, but would you argue that they're not in the position that they should be at the moment? I expected East Fife to be there or thereabouts in the playoffs. So the fact that they're sitting fourth is probably where you've I expect them to be. You've got Wraith Rovers and, and Airdrie. They are all bigger clubs. Yes, sure. It's not me being rude. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. and, and see, of the four, only Falkirk, I think, are capable of 
really lifting their performances and potentially going on seven, eight game winning run. However, there is also a kind of whiff of that Dunfermline team that finished about seventh in League One. I, I genuinely think the board are maybe one or two poor decisions away, as in maybe keeping McCracken and, and Miller on, if that's a mistake, or replacing them with an absolute double. And they oh, maybe just go in there. <laughs> Craig Telfer sitting in his room right now listening to this uh, rubbing his hands I mean and did he go wrong they might just click and they might just pull away for the rest but the the fact that they are far and away the biggest full time team in that league and they're they're stinking they've only won six games uh, six, seven six games in 16 for Falkirk to to have won that'd be dreadful for them in the championship Aye. That would be like the, if they were the folk sitting in the championship and they've won six games of 16. I think a lot of people say that's really poor form. To have won so few games in, in League One is, is highly embarrassing for them and they, they need something. Whether it's Miller McCracken, I'm not so sure. I, I genuinely think if they don't win this Saturday against Wraith Rovers, then that might be the end of them. Yeah, imagine he's in the background doing trying to get another manager. I thought that was the whole point is that they'd got the two guys in to sort of steady the ship and that the whole time they'd be away. Trying to get McCracken says that he still expects to be uh, in charge of the club come January. So he, they're, they're certainly. I mean, don't, I, I don't think they were leaving their job. How thick? Peter, how right? thick? Sorry, excuse my ignorance. Uh, how thick and fast are the games at League One level over Christmas time? I don't think. I think they're just every weekend. Ah, this is not like, okay, yeah. not like top flight. Yeah, yeah. It's literally every cramming a game. Yeah, 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 like, like, that's that fucking massive risk. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say on Jamie, you've got eight games. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, we'll finish it up there with League One, but I mean, put your neck on the line. Where's 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 this going to go? Who's going to? Our Falkirk, for example, going to come? You're still seven? refusing to pick Wraith Rovers, top, aren't you? And uh, I would I would be very surprised if Wraith Rovers. Won. I think I think Wraith Rovers will finish second, and I think they will. Uh, I think they'll win the playoffs. Get your notepads out. Let's get that all written down. And what's going to happen with Ian Murray and Colin Cameron's surgery? Uh, they will. Uh, no, they'll do pretty well. They've got a decent score. You're still back in Falkirk to win the league to, to, to get surely, a manager. Surely, guys. You look at. I mean, look at the guys that didn't play on Saturday. So Michael Tidzer didn't play on Saturday. Uh, Charlie Telford didn't play on Saturday. Uh, Aidan Connolly didn't play on Saturday. Or they, they may have come on as subs, but they certainly didn't start. I mean, the fact that they've got guys like that on the bench. Jeez, oh man, they should be winning that league easy. Now let's make our moves to the championship. Where <laughs> championship. The championship where we're going to be discussing. Dunfermline and Dundee United yes. both in their last games defeated Green at Morton by the way there's a bit of there's a bit of research for you there <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll start with Dunfermline Craig oh. Fowler I think we're going to go we're going to you for this stuff eh? yes Dunfermline similarly had a slow start similar to yes. Airdrie like you were talking about earlier but like last season at the division it seems there are only a few results between being in the relegation playoffs and the promotion playoffs Craig, what? They're now third. They're now third. So they took a gamble on a number of lower league youngsters. Yes. And are, they just, are they clicking now? Are we moving forward? You know? it's, things certainly seem to be clicking and moving forward. So, yeah, you mentioned that a really poor run early in the season. They actually started the campaign looking pretty good despite getting two draws. They were the better team against Dundee on the opening day. were undone by a couple of controversial penalty calls. We were at the game, finished two each. They then went to, I think it was Morton the next week, either Morton or Queens, uh, were the better team. Queens. Queens were the better team peppered the goal first half were one nil up but uh, I think they were one nil up but anyway they drew one each and probably should have taken all three points they then went to Celtic in the cup and took Celtic well Dudwatt Wren Lazio Cluj haven't been able to do uh, in the Europa League and that's whole Celtic in 90 minutes <laughs> finished one each 
We went extra time and uh, they were narrowly beaten 2 1. James Forrest scored. He kind of so thought, are you insinuating that Dunfermline would be qualifying from the Europa League? Am I <laughs> am I saying that Dunfermline are better than those uh, curly bunch of fascist cunts over in Italy? Yes, because yes, exactly what I'm are. saying. Yes, <laughs> there we go. Um, I'm not so sure that a Paul Payton led side could qualify for my would be winning in Rome. <laughs> I'll get on to Paul Payton later. Uh, but I don't know whether it was a hangover that snowballed or they kind of thought they had ideas above their station. But uh, then they went on a very poor run of results. They lost their next floor, including two to part time opposition. That was Arbroath in the league and Aloha in the Challenge Cup, went out at home. Absolutely stinking sort of pooping busters as they're, well. They're formed they kind of wee bit up and down. They they managed to get themselves off the canvas by winning the the if I don't Stevie Crawford managed to win the if I don't win this I might get sacked clash against Gary Caldwell's Partick Thistle, <laughs> uh, which won three 0 away from home. Uh, then, the guy called yeah, he was sacked. <laughs> then drew the next two, one against Ayr, lost United, but rebounded to beat Arbroath and Queen. So you kind of thought they were on the right path. And then they hit another a poor patch. Right? A couple of games in a row that were really, really bad. They lost away to Aloha, who I think at that time were kind of looking like they were maybe going to be kind of definitely the worst team in the league. A bit Aloha, as they've done a few times this season, where I think a lot of people thought that about them. Bounce back. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, they have, they've stung my coupon four times. I know. Uh, every time I bet against them, and that, like, every one of those coupons I've been beaten by Alawa only. I, I think Alawa, all the time. I think Alawa are the worst team in the league. But then the, the, the Nadir of the season so far was losing away to Stranor in the Scottish Cup 1 0, where by all accounts dreadful. <laughs> Sean's uh, laughing at that. But. <laughs> Glad to write right, right for that. <laughs> <laughs> but since then, they've won their last three. Uh, scoring nine and conceding only two. Now, a huge reason for this is Kevin Nisbet. Of the, the nine goals they've scored, he scored Tamil, seven of them. And Tamil Weir. And I would add the caveat that if uh, teams are going to defend like Patrick Thistle and Morton, then guys like Kevin Nisbet will always uh, score goals against them. However, the Fairland do seem to have turned the corner. However, they're a bit like, they were certainly under Stevie Crawford, they're a wee bit like East Fife and that they can put together a, a fantastic sequence and you're like, right, actually the Fairland's pretty good. And then they can suddenly go 10 games without a win. And you're like, no, actually, they're absolutely shite. I think they do have, although to be fair, I've been saying this now for about three seasons, I think they've got a pretty good squad. And I think they, they very much should be challenging for uh, the, the promotion playoffs. I think Crawford, they're sitting third at the moment, so, so you have to say that Crawford's doing a very good job, especially when you consider that they made a pretty big loss last season and they, they announced that they were going to have to really cut their budget, which is, what, which is why you had to... Kind of shop around in yeah. the lower leagues for players, and as ever, when a team goes on a, a massive recruitment drive, there's going to be hits and misses. But in general, his sign seems to have been yeah. hit. I mean, we've talked about Nisbet. Nisbet's obviously been huge. He's the second top goal scorer in the championship behind Shanklin with 13 goals so far. By the halfway point, that's a, a tremendous return. He has scored quite a few penalties, but even still, uh, as I've said numerous times in the show, as a Hearts fan, and I mean Rangers fans will uh, attest attest to this as well. It's not always easy to score penalties. Um, but another sign-in who's been excellent is Ryan Dow. And I really thought when Ryan Dow's come back up for Peterhead, his kind of career had done that kind of downward trajectory, comes up two levels, and I'm thinking... Yeah, that doesn't sound good. But he's been excellent no. this season. The general really consen- turned up on the right of midfield. The general consensus about Dow, what uh, what the Fellow fans were told was he would have one good game, then you wouldn't notice him for the next two or three weeks, then he would have another good game. Hasn't been like that at all. He, along with Nisbet, has been their two main men, and generally Dow 
It's been extremely unusual for him to have a, a poor game this season if he's had any. He's generally been a stick out. It's also helped as well that they managed to get Greg Kilty towards the end of the, the Jan. Uh, so the so summer, they two played as the wide men. Those are two are the wide men. He's kind of tinkered so, with the formation. He moves between a kind of five midfield formation, whether it's you know four two three one or four one four one whatever, yeah. uh, and four four two. Uh, but yeah, they're generally the wide men, and in the centre. It's it's typically been Peyton and Beaveling with kind of Kyle Turner if it's a if it's a two, uh, Turner's kind of coming in and out. If it's a three, Turner usually starts as a number ten. But in the last couple of games, he's started with Harry Cochran, who couldn't really get a game to start with when he first went there, but uh, is impressed in the last couple of games. And the uh, I spoke to two Dunfermline fans about this. I spoke to Michael Wood to provide me with lots of notes and Ricky Lord, and, and Ricky said that he was surprised that Cochran was as kind of tenacious as he was. And yes, actually, Harry Cochran, he looks like a a stiff fart could blow him over, but as any Hibs fan who's seen him in a derby, he's, despite his size, he's got to kick people. Eh? Yeah, he's, he's willing to get stuck in, and uh, I think he's shown that. And he obviously his passing's pretty decent as well. But their defence has also improved recently, and they've got quite a settled defence. Aaron Comrie at the right back has played every minute this season. Uh, Lee Ashcroft's been pretty much an ever present as well. Lewis Martin is impressed both at full back and centre half. Even even Danny Devine. Just about to say, is, even is, Danny is, Devine's done okay. This yeah, season. Uh, That's is, what is he's and uh, they've also brought in a young goalkeeper. So Ryan Scully started the season. He was dropped after a, a I think it was a poor game. I think it was Inverness that uh, Michael told me. Uh, and then Cammy Gill, an academy pro- uh, prospect, came in, looked a bit shaky to start with, but he started the last three games and has been good as well. So the next two games are huge, though. They're away to Dundee and away to Inverness. I think that's going to tell us a lot about whether this team is. I mean, I still think they'd be capable of finishing in the top four, but whether they are a proper promotion contender or whether they're just like could they actually go through the playoffs yeah whether they could actually go through the playoffs whether they could finish second or third or they're just a team that's going to kind of flip between fourth and sixth for the entire season I mean we could get I think we could in terms of the how poor the bottom of the Premier League is I think this could definitely be a year where we do get the second team up for the championship well, we, do think, we uh, thought it last year I mean Dundee United came very close to doing it and Levy done it year before nobody expected them mm. to so I do think it's weird how often Crawford mucks about ways uh, formation though. So see when they were going through that really poor run at the start of the season, I think he tweaked his formation it was something like seven weeks in a row. Uh, he then settled on the Stevie Crawford's a tinker man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. Even though it was the one, he just <laughs> changed it every anyway. <laughs> then he went to a four four two and it seemed to work. So I mean the, the, as it stands they've only lost uh, three games in twelve, I think it is. But since that defeat against Aloha and Shranmar, he has went back to changing his formation uh, for his last three games. Now, you can't really argue with that because, as Fowler says, that they've won the last three games. But I do wonder if he thinks too much about the opposition uh, and maybe maybe just overthinks things. And I, 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 think he, I think he needs to get back to a, a settled team again and a settled formation because it seemed to it seemed to do him the world of good. So from a, if I was a Dunfermline fan, I'd maybe be a wee bit worried that it was going back to this, changing the team every single week because that... It doesn't seem like a, a good scenario to me. I'm enjoying that uh, Stevie Crawford's acting like Rafa Benitez. Right, we're running out of time, but I can quickly go through. Yeah, quickly go through. Champions elect. Is that open this bottle of wine? I mean, we don't need to talk much, really. I mean, are we are we all just in agreement that Dundee United have done it? I think. It would take, a, I think, a bit of a collapse right now. They really look I don't like know if there's any team... It's, even if they started doing relatively shit, I don't know if there's anyone behind them I that think could if take advantage. See if United were chasing somebody that they were 10 points ahead of, you can say, well, maybe Dun United will, will be able to chase that down because Dun United have the best squad. 
But the fact that they've got the best group of players and everybody underneath them seems very much inconsistent. And Nielsen's done this before. Mm-hmm. That's exactly that's exact scenario. So that's, I was going to talk about that because obviously when they lost the playoff final, I think a majority of fans would have quite liked to see Nielsen go because they thought yep. he underachieved last season. They thought he was overly pragmatic, uh, kind of like he was... Well, th- this is what was going to come on to. Last season he was Hearts in the Premiership Nielsen. Uh, this season he is Hearts in the Championship Nielsen, where he's kind of let them off the leash a bit more. And uh, results are showing that they've won seven straight and have only conceded twice in that time. And that's, that was the last two games. And the defence, even though I say he's, he's letting them off the leash a bit more, the defence has actually played a, a big part in their turnaround. But Seagrest was very close to getting the all-time uh, all-time record for minutes without conceding a goal. Oh, really? Uh, I think when I think did Allo open the scoring a couple of weeks ago. I think that yeah. that put paid to the that put paid to that record. He um, so the, they had the blip earlier the season where the kind of pressure went on Nielsen again because they lost away at Alloa uh, and then they were thumped at Queen of the South and you kind of thought oh well are they in for another slog this season and fans really weren't happy. But for those two games, they were missing. <laughs> even though he was actually kind of lambasted for a lot of his United career so far, Jamie Robson who a lot of United fans haven't really rated as a left-back, but he's, he's been getting better and better at the position. And basically what he did was give them width on the left, and Liam Smith gave them width on the right. So for those two matches without Robson, Smith went to the left, Paul Watson, who's a centre-half, went to right-back, and they brought in Tony Brown to play alongside Mark Reynolds. None of it worked. It meant Watson looked unnatural at right-back, as he normally as he, as he would as a centre-half. Smith couldn't get forward as much because he was playing on the wrong side, and Brown didn't look comfortable alongside Reynolds. Getting... Robson back has managed to put all the pieces back into place. Paul Watson especially has been excellent throughout this recent run. They could have just played Adrian Sproula, who they signed in the summer from Argentina. The United fans were quite excited about it. But as just because he's from Argentina. Uh, yeah, as soon as I support... Hey, people have fun. He came, came for the Argentine top flight, to be fair, so it's a not bad pedigree. I'm not saying he's guff, but... No, he is guff. Which is what I knew as soon as I watched clips of one voice skills. So this guy kind of did it. He's useless. Uh, yeah, so he's basically been unplayable. I, I, I need to go on Wild Scout because I really want to watch that, see how they put it together to show you that a player does nothing. Like, how do you, like normally, even on a YouTube video, you can make anyone look good, but even like someone so bad that even on that sort of highlights reel, you still look shit. <laughs> yep, it's a really hard fucking watch, really. His crosses were rubbish, his defending was rubbish, he didn't look particularly fast, he was just shite. But apart, but apart from that. Yeah, Puffley is a great player. Uh, just to quickly run through the rest of the team, obviously they've got Shanklin, best player in the division. Uh, Nicky Clark's actually been really good recently. So uh, we're all we're all we're all accepted that uh, Lawrence Shanklin because last year there was doubts. People on this podcast did not want to admit the Lawrence Shanklin train was. Do you know what? I tell you what impressed me about uh, Nielsen and Dun United. You can go through Dun United's team now, and you can probably point to five or six players that are either playing the best they've ever done in Tangerine or playing the best they've ever played in their career. So, Seagrist has come on, Jamie Robson's come on, Paul Watson, bear in mind they brought out a video when they signed him that basically said he was rubbish. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you were away with that happened. They basically brought out a Twitter It was a Twitter video and it had like, it, it included like a three three or four tweets in it and basically the tweets was like, oh well I heard he's pish but I don't know, we need our body etc. Oh wow. Uh, Paul McMullen I can't wait to get in to train like that. Yeah, I'm so excited Paul McMullen has always had the ability to beat a man but now he has a kind of end product as yes. well uh, Ian Harks has come on Sam Stanton's improved Nicky Clark Louis Perry. now I don't know if Nielsen done that at Harks in terms of bringing guys on but certainly this season he's very much done it at United no. and it would take 
nobody got better than us. I would take Everybody uh, signed was then good and then slowly got worse. I mean, if Dundee United don't win this season championship, it would be comparable to when Morton threw away Division 3 in 2004. It would take a, a collapse of that ilk, I think. I was thinking Walker and Patterson, I think the two players in the other made Sam Nicholson? Yeah. Well, fingers crossed that that Morton collapse happens. Um, I just want to thank Derek Keel and Stuart Milne for their help with United Research. Very kind, very kind of them. Um, well, I suppose that'll be the end of our championship, and now we're going to go all the way back to the 70s. 1974. 1974 for our next instalment in Scotland. 42? For, number 42 of Scotland. So getting decent results that mean fuck all. So this this one sort of like epitomises the whole um, sort of hard done by nature of uh, Scottish football fans. Glorious failure. Glorious failure. The bitter sweets of this. This is probably the start here. You, do you say this is when it all... Oh, I think so. Yeah. This is when they got a good team. Yeah, we have an, we have an excellent... There's nothing, glor- there's nothing glorious about a failure in the last 20 years. See, in 78, when, when there was this thing, oh, we can go there and win it, we couldn't. Oh. But in 74, there was a belief that actually we could go and, and, and win it. We played uh, played West Germany in a, a friendly uh, in the build-up to the World Cup, and we were beating them 1-0. West Germany scored with a couple of minutes to go, but this was... Uh, not that I'm a, a kind of Scottish football historian, but I would argue. You fucking right, you are. <laughs> I would, I would argue that this might be our best ever team. Well, there we go. Yeah, it's big, big chat from someone who's seen every single Scottish football team <laughs> in the history of the world. Have you seen the date? Have you seen the game yet? No, no, no. I was going to, we're going to talk about the qualifying campaign. This was, okay. uh, this was in the World Cup 1974. Uh, we we ended up in a group with um, Zaire. What, the qualifying campaign? No, no, this is what the World Cup was. What weird European World Cup was. Actually, the World Cup was a 16 team World Cup, and we ended up in a group with Zaire, Brazil, and, and Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia. Yeah. Uh, but we, to qualify for there, we absolutely stormed the group. Uh, but it was only three teams in the group. It was Brazil. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was um, Den- Brazil and Zaire <laughs> uh, Denmark and Czech Republic and, and Denmark were amateur were they amateur yeah. at the time they saw the guy called Loudrop who scored against yeah. us I didn't notice that uh, and and we're, no, actually, we're actually relying on the fact that Denmark drew with Czechoslovakia and Denmark otherwise we might have had to win uh, well we, we still had to beat Czechoslovakia in the last game but I, I, I don't know how it would have panned out if Czechoslovakia had won we would have been struggling even more I think no I think we did get beat off Czechoslovakia in the last game we got beat 1-0 no no we, no, no, we beat them uh, did we not beat them 2-1 Sean was there sorry <laughs> sorry break that <laughs> to you we got beat 1-0 off Czech Republic, uh, Czechoslovakia on 17th of October 1973 so have we already qualified we'd already qualified we'd ah, stormed it like right. I said oh God. oh <laughs> 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 you fucking can you we stormed we beat Denmark 4-1 away then we beat Denmark 2-0 at home then Denmark and Czech Republic drew each other. Then Czech Republic hammered Denmark 6-0. Then we beat Czechoslovakia 2-1. I'm just jumping between Czechoslovakia and Czech Republic. And then we'd already qualified uh, with we won every single match. And then we were on our way. And we were on our way to West Germany. Uh, in this game where we... So our first game was against Zaire, which we won 2-0 with goals for Lorimer and Jordan. Uh, but that was quite a cautious victory from what I read. Uh, we were quite safe in that, and ultimately that could be blamed on well, bite bit us in the arse. There's, there's two ways to look at it. So this is the kind of notes I, I brought with me. Um, that's talking about Zaire. 
Because everybody remembers the famous incident in Zaire playing Brazil where the guy runs out of, I've got his name here actually, the boy runs out of the wall and, and absolutely blitters the ball at the park and the kind of joke was, oh look at these silly, look at these silly black Africans, they don't know how to play football kind of thing. Pretty much a racist joke, obviously nobody said black, but that was that was basically what it was. Look at these daft Africans, they don't know how to play football. <laughs> and then, and, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm totally against racism, but I can see where they got the thought from. <laughs> <laughs> They shouldn't have though, because Morocco had played at the previous <laughs> World Cup and uh, Zaire had beaten yeah. Morocco the year before. So I they, mean, they, were, they played football for a while. They didn't know the rules. Right, they, they didn't know the rules. It's an individual there who got a, a rush of blood to the head. There, there was a backstory. No, no, the, the backstory was. was a backstory so this is, this is the backstory that I'm coming on to. So they, they played Scotland. It's traffic this boy's name now. Uh, they played Scotland in the first game and they were beaten 2 0. So Zaire kind of thought that they were going to get. They were due money, basically. So in the next game. They were, they were supposed to get bonuses. They thought they were going to get bonuses for playing reasonably well and get beat. Because it was a very hard group for Sire. Scotland yeah, were very much up and coming. Yugoslavia were a solid side and Brazil were reigning world, world champions. Yeah. So they the, the fight well, lose first game 2 0. And then they don't get paid. So they kind of pretty much they play, but they're playing well protesting in their next game. The goalie even gets taken off after 20 minutes. But they're already 3 0 down because the manager thinks that he can't be arsed. The, the rumour was it was a, a kind of unofficial strike against Yugoslavia. Yes, so. But uh, the. Unofficial strike against us? But <laughs> the Zaire dictator, Mbutu Sisi Seko, uh, was not happy that they were beaten 9 0. He thought it was kind of a disgrace to the country. So the, the players were basically told that if you get hammered again by Brazil, you'll be. When you come back home, you'll be thrown in jail. Uh, and people in- <laughs> if you get hammered by the world champions and, and, and you're opening your first ever world cup uh, as b- semi-professional players you will be getting put in jail he, he, said, <laughs> he also said they'd be tortured yes he did uh, remember he was an African dictator he, yeah. did, he did murder a lot of his own people uh, and I think it even in the stadium as well the stadium was the I think they had the famous fight in Zaire between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. It was rumble in the jungle. Huh? I think there was a, a, like a prison below the... There was. Like, the, like, and well, that's like, cool, yeah. I'm a boxing fighter. Like washing away the blood and stuff so they could set up for the for the fight. Ah, it was a bad egg. Have, 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 have a good undercard with just uh, inmates fighting. So when <laughs> Mwepu Ilunga uh, raced at the wall to, to kick it away, it was basically time-wasting because they were shitting themselves. Oh. They were 2-0 down. Uh, that Red said that they were like a very clever game. Yeah. That Red said they were not. They were told not to lose by more than three goals. Uh, I don't know whether that's true. It was exactly that, but they basically were told not to get hammered. So. I think anything above. I think that's, that sounds realistic. That would be what I would normally think of. Anything over three goals is you'd be pumped. I wish they'd been told not to lose by two because two two now would have passed through. <laughs> and it's a shame that the joke was basically racist because. It's, the true story itself is actually I mean not, not the whole torture part yeah. but the, to choose to time waste by running out of the wall and blootering the ball up the other end of the park is very funny in yeah, itself yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you've I didn't know that so thanks for uh, enlightening me but funnily enough listeners that isn't the game we're talking about but that, that was why Scotland were kind of unlucky in this group they, they played Zaire first. first had they played Zaire in the second game like Yugoslavia did Scotland probably would have advanced. In fairness, there was points when we were 2 0 up when we were playing keepy uppy. Yeah, that's yeah, what I was going to say. There was very, we, were, we played very cautiously. The, so the reaction, to do not cautiously, I'd say that is arrogantly. The reaction to the 2 0 win was uh, they, they were slagged off about it and the fact that they, they could have pushed for more. And the Zaire goalkeeper was absolutely terrible. I don't know if you've seen Jordan's goal that, that made 
it 2-0 but he actually kind of catches it and then it kind of squirms through his arms and then just drops behind him he I don't know if it was I don't know if it was the same boy because the goal he was taken off in the Yugoslavia game but the the third goal in the game against Brazil which ultimately knocks he fucks it for that um, but Dennis Law he makes a great save for Dennis Law the Zaire keeper and that ends up and Dennis Law never goes on to to score a goal in the in the World Cup finals for Scotland ah. Uh, really played one World Cup, didn't he? This one. It's quite old with the time um, before coming, I think. Um, but now we'll go on to sort of iconic game. This right. game as well. Give, so, give me the date. Oh, it was uh, the 18th of June 1974. Right, do you know what that was? That was the birthday of Vincenzo Montella. Oh, wow. He had some great celebrations. I had this love Montella. Yeah, so Montella was right. brilliant. Uh, I've also got the number one uh, song in the UK. Uh, it's uh, The Streak. By Ray Stevens. Have you ever heard this before? I looked it up and I listened to it on YouTube. It is a comedy song about a naked guy running through a supermarket and the kind of genre of music is kind of country bumpkin, kind of deep South America. It is absolutely fucking rubbish. Simpler times. Uh, and number one movie at the US box office? Chinatown. Mm. Oh yeah, that's good. It's a good film. Don't like the ending. Very depressing. Uh... Hey, life isn't just... Flowers and chocolates. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it, Tony. It's Chinatown. <laughs> right, we're going to talk about the game now. Yeah, so the teams that we played, Brazil, who were the reigning world champions, uh, I think we were played that in Frankfurt, and it was a 7.30pm kickoff. Can I just say, watching the highlights back of this, I think Scotland's dominance in this game is quite overstated. Because uh, yeah, I, I read about the game, and I, it was that Scotland controlled it. Yeah. I was under the impression that we controlled the game, but watched but it back. The, the high, unless, it it was just, really like. unless it was just badly edited highlights, we didn't have an entire chance in the first half. So I don't know how you can control the game like that. And, and what I, I think is, what I read is that we held our own, and then as the game... I think as the game wore on, wore on Scotland sort of like... First, but even still, they only had one proper chance. Most of it was shots from distance. Well, let's read these teams out. So, we were managed by Willie Ormond at the time. And I started lining up with David Harvey in goals, uh, Martin Buchan in defence, David Hay, Jim Holton, and Sandy Jardine and Danny McGrain making up a back five. Uh, then we had Billy Bremner as our captain, Willie Morgan, Kenny Dalgleish, Joe Jordan, and Peter Lorimer as our strike force. So, it's a very good team. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good team. It's definitely. funny because when I looked at it, it was the, so the, I think essentially it's just a collection of players from... Leeds, Manchester United, Celtic, Celtic, and Rangers. Yeah, and then I looked to see. I looked at the seventy-three, seventy-four English First Division to see where Leeds United and Manchester United finished, and Man United got relegated. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we just managed to convince ourselves that this is a was a brilliant. Team. Leeds certainly would be that season. Leeds won it. Leeds, Leeds won it. There. Ah, yeah. So Lorimer and Bremner were uh, and, uh, and Harvey. Well, which it was Leeds, uh, Manchester United got relegated with uh, an unusually uh, tight defence. There was only a few teams in the top ten. Uh, they conceded fewer goals in them. So in fact, it was Jordan that leads as well. Sorry, I interrupt. Yes, I think Jordan I, was no, in as well. Was, uh, and four then we players had, for the champions. That was Revy's. Revy's thing was to take players for Scotland. And then Jim. So Jim Holton was at Manchester United at the time, and the supporters used to sing Six Foot Two, Eyes Are Blue." Big Jim Holton is after you, and he was six foot one and had brown eyes. So <laughs> that song. None of it made any sense. See, see, the, the, the fact that Sean's at the games, he can actually <laughs> tell you such intricate sort of facts that there's no way of finding anywhere on the internet. He was a he was a 15 year old Tony. <laughs> <from> his <laughs> first shandy. <laughs> he really dragged in the pub with the guy. Your <laughs> brown. Also, the uh, the Scottish Football Writers Player of the Year award was given to the entire Scottish team. Oh, that's, that's oh, that is absolutely gobshite. It's fucking rubbish. I hate uh, shit like that. Uh, 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 everyone done well. They're fucking adults. 
I, I did not expect. <laughs> I, I did not expect that to have such a. Oh, it's a lot of push. It's a lot of push. Maybe if it was like under eight, like you all played well, you never got on once. I mean, don't even know. When I when I read it, I thought that's a bit daft. I never went right. Well, frankly, we are <laughs> disgusted by that. Uh, and Brazil's lineup with uh, Mario Zagallo as the manager with Emerson. Emer- you didn't have to read it at the ball. Revelinho was playing. It was just Jorginho was playing. Loads of Inias, Ilios, Inios, Pereiras, Shagas, Mario Shagas. When the camera goes along the the lineup and it's it's looking at the players, there's a point where looking at the players' boots. And all the Scotland players are just wearing black boots with nothing on them at all. And it was because they... Oh, hell, Richard Key's wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> they had a deal with... Uh, Richard Key's a good egg now, is it? Oh, he's, he's, he said a few things because he knows everyone hates him to try and curry favour. They, they had a deal with Adidas. So they all got paid £750 to wear their boots. But they all decided that that wasn't enough money. So what they did was they got the boots... But then they got a, a razor and they just took off all the stripes. Every single one of them took off all the stripes. Oh, well, you've got a, lot of, got a lot of time on your hands being at the World Cup finally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then at this game, as you said, we, we didn't dominate it as maybe reported, but we certainly grew into it. And shall we just talk about the, the big chance now? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, cross, I can't remember who delivered the cross. Can you remember, Sean? Uh, it was a Peter Lorimar corner. Yeah, it was a Lorimar Oh, so it was. It was, it was after uh, Lorimar had a shot that yeah. tipped over. So yeah. Lorimar crossed it. 35 yards yeah. kick, yeah. Knocked down by Jordan. The keeper kind of... Spills it. The keeper twice in the game kind of spilt a reasonably easy chance to, to pick up. Not Emerson Leo. And it fell to Bremner. Was it a bad miss? Or was it just that he didn't See, have to react? See, there's... Um, Conflicting... See, so the angle is two angles, and I don't want to take one over the other because angles can be deceiving and kind of uh, can lead to confirmation bias. Especially so, with angles in the seventies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's only two. So the original angle, I just thought it hit off him. The angle for behind the goal makes it look like he does actually have tight to turn his foot and just doesn't divert it enough. Does it get his own angle correct? Lorimer did say. Nine, 99 times out of 100 he'd have stuck that away he says I know it just bounced off him but Billy had very sharp reactions and I think he does have time to I think he, he does shape his foot yeah like he's trying to be sound because you don't want to be an arsehole but really you're saying why well, you know fucking scoring Lorimer <laughs> <laughs> uh, had a lot to say after this game uh, he, he talked about uh, Revelino it was, it was a midden Brazil I'd, I've seen I'd, I was trying to find <laughs> it was a midden I was trying to find I was trying to find longer highlights of the, the game because I'd, I've seen longer highlights before and Brazil were so dirty that game to be fair I think it was because the last time we played a World Cup in Europe they'd been absolutely kicked off the park in 66 so apparently they were told that they had to be a lot more physical this time but they I mean of the two teams <laughs> but that's the difficulty if, you're a t- if, you're, if you get told that uh, I mean it's unusual then you will take it to new levels but, of what you're but, used to of the two, you're not was, used to it you're just like being physical kick fuck it though it was Brazil that were the, it was Brazil that were the, the, the dirty who the two ah, he, he said about Revelino he was brutal absolutely brutal he spent the game really whacking wherever he could we always think of Brazilian being fantastic on the ball and being great players, which they were then, but they were ruthless. We had them rattled that night and it showed in their response. He said the referee was poor that day, very weak. He let the Brazilians off with far too much. It was as if, it was as if he thought, 
as so many people tended to do. These guys don't do the rough stuff. Yellow cards had only been introduced at the pre- yellow cards and red cards had only been introduced at the previous World Cup. Back then, you still had to do a hell of a lot to get a booking, and referees were still in that mode of giving it warning after warning. As he should know, as a fucking Leeds United player, <laughs> uh, famously Johnny Giles punched Kevin Keegan in the charity shield and didn't get sent <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, despite the fact the referee saw it, <laughs> get I, us back uh, to those days. I, uh, I, I tried to find interesting stuff out about the referee. His name was Ari van Germant. He was Dutch. Sure, there's uh, more interesting than what I came up with the, the last time. The only thing I could find out was it was an Aries. It's literally nothing. We couldn't find anything. Um, I found out some. Well, I'm not. But maybe not. But uh, <laughs> and then uh, the Gordon, the Gordon McQueen story I found is quite nice. Okay. Uh, um, because uh, obviously he had he had throat cancer, uh, and how that actually came about, like the reason he was able to catch it early, was because he was on Sky Sports News, and his throat was very raspy, and people phoned up saying, "I don't know, there's something wrong with him," and uh, he was ignoring it. But the person who bought his house was a doctor uh, who was specialised in cancer, and we heard that, and then they and then they got phoned and got together, and he forced them to go. To the hospital to get checked because he's and but he said Gordon McQueen at the time was very no I'll go in a couple of months it's just a sore throat and they forced it to go and then they found that he had cancer and then they caught it early enough and that's how he was able to that's good that's like Sky Sports News viewers who normally think of be dicks out on a high that's that's a lovely story to uh, pacify everybody to put to put some warmth back into people's hearts uh, especially if they listen to the podcast on Friday and waking up to a world where we've got a Tory majority. What's that on your t-shirt, Sean? Uh, still hates that. <laughs> <laughs> let's have a let's have a sing song in this podcast. Like, are we ready for it? We hate Thatcher. Everybody hates Margaret Thatcher. We hate Thatcher. Everybody hates Margaret Thatcher. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.